capacities, the important things of life. He's not telling us about how to conduct our business. He's not telling us about uh, how to be engaged in marriage. He's not telling us about uh, how to live a proper life per se. He's saying this. You need to deal with the most important issues of life first. Don't wait. Don't wait. Deal with the realities of life. And the realities of life are this. If it's only life under the sun, if there's nothing more to life than just this life, then who cares what you do? Honestly. You can do everything. You can be important people. You can hang around important people. You can buy the biggest toys that you can buy. You can live in the biggest houses that you can live in. You can marry this person and love that person and have children. But if it's all under the sun, if this is all there is, there's absolutely no gain or profit for you in your life. It's absolutely manifested zero for you. But... If there's life beyond the sun, if there's more to this life, if there's a God who rules and reigns, who is knowable to us, who has made himself known to us through his word, through the beauties of creation, if there is that God and there is, the Koheleth is arguing, then it affects the manner in which we live our lives here. There's a greater story. There is a meta-narrative going on above us, and our lives are part of something more grandiose than we ever could have imagined. We can't see it all perfectly now, for we only look dimly, but one day we'll see face to face. Our our knowledge is limited now, but one day our knowledge uh, will be such that we understand more than we do now. Not infinitely, but we'll understand more. But now we understand this much. God gives meaning and significance to your life now. That it has to be more than just running around on the gerbil wheel. That it's more than, you know what I used to find out about folks? They really did not enjoy Sundays because you know what Sundays reminded them most of? Monday was coming. And I would see in their eyes and I would talk to them, especially on Sunday evenings, this glaze beginning of, I've got to get back into, and how do we describe life so often? The rat race. There's a wonderful description of what you do day to day. Oh, I've got to get back into the grind. I've got to get back on the gerbil wheel and run and run and run and run to try to get some carrot that's out there but never is there. And when I think that I bite into it, it's the most unsatisfying thing I've ever bitten into. It's vanity of vanities. All of life is vanities. It's like chasing after the wind is what the Kohelis says. And you know what? Every single one of you, you agree with him, whether you want to admit it or not. And he is trying to challenge you to say this, just be daring enough, just be man enough, just be woman enough to admit the fact that all of life lived outside of a relationship with God just isn't very satisfying. It's just not Because you have that one special day. And you know what we do about those one special days or those one special moments? We ruin them by saying what? I wish this moment would last what? Forever. What did you just do to that moment? You put too much pressure on it. You demanded life from it. 
And you know what happens? It doesn't last forever. And then when you're in marriage and in relationships or your, t- your children begin to grow up, you look back with this sense of nostalgia and you go, oh, I just wish it was like it was when. But if you were back then, you know it wasn't all that great either. It was okay, but it didn't deeply satisfy. Do you all have, have desires and needs that this world can't satisfy? Do you just know there's something more inside of you that what you have isn't satisfying? God's saying, I designed you that way. And only I can satisfy your deepest needs for life. Is it good to be healthy? Yeah, it's great to be healthy. Is it good to enjoy the best of the best? Sure it is. It's wonderful to enjoy that. But does it deeply, fully, eternally satisfy? No, it doesn't. One writer put it this way, or one pastor said, it, instead of vanity of vanities, he said, cotton candy of cotton candies. All of life is cotton candy. I just, that's such a great image for me. Because you bite into that cotton candy as a kid, and you're like, oh, this is going to be the best meal. Mom and Dad, I just want cotton candy for dinner tonight. And they bite into it, and guess what's left immediately? Yuck. Blue tongue, pink tongue, sticky, nasty stuff in your mouth, and a bellyache and, a, and a, a sugar rush that then just appears really, really quickly. And that's what happens for most of us in life. If I just date this person, then if I just get this next deal, if I get into this school, if I get this job, if I do this, if I do that, then life is going to have meaning and life is going to have satisfaction and life and life and life. And what happens is when you get it, You're like, hmm. You seen the movie with Jack Nicholson, As Good As It Gets? I love the question that he asks when he's in therapy. What if this is as good as it gets? Wouldn't that stink? As good as your days go in today, what if this was the pinnacle of it? Ugh. No offense, folks. But if this is the best, yuck. But God keeps saying to us, there's more. I'm presenting to you more. I am laying out in front of you a banquet table. I am laying out in front of you truths and excellencies that will blow your mind. They are more than you ever could have dreamed or imagined. But what I'm trying to do is convince you to move away from the carnival food. Move away from the hot dogs. Move away from the corn dogs. Move away from the fried fat. Move away from the fried Snickers. Move away from those things which have a momentary wonderful taste. And, but they're never going to deeply satisfy you. And ultimately they're going to kill you. Move to the table that has in front of you everything that you ever could have dreamed or imagined. And it has the greatest benefits for you. Aim for something beyond this life. C.S. Lewis said this. If you aim for this life only, then you will lose both this life and the life to come. But if you aim for the life to come, if you aim for heaven itself, then you get heaven. And guess what God does? He throws in this life as well. He says, I'll make this life meaningful too. If you'll live with the end in mind, if you'll live with beyond the sun in mind. And so that's what we've been talking about with the Koheleth. That's what we've been talking about here, and I hope it's been an encouraging study for you. I've heard from a lot of you going, I've never read Ecclesiastes, and you just sort of blazed through it. Uh, And you're now kind of settling in and going, wow, there's some good stuff in here. Well, now we're going to come to the end of it. We're looking at the last two chapters, 11 and 12. And we're going to really touch more on 11 this week, and we'll pick up with 12 next week, even though I printed uh, all of, uh, part of 12 in there for you. 
And what we're coming to now is the challenge that the Kohelet is saying to us. And it's a challenge that he gives to young people. But it's really a challenge for all of us. And the challenge is this. He's really asking, or he's making more of a statement. Face life's uncertainties with boldness. If you have the proper perspective of living life, not just under the sun, but you have the proper perspective of who God is and how life is, is, then what you can do is it gives you a boldness to face the uncertainties that come in life. Any of you guys faced any uncertainties in the last few years? A couple of you? Yeah. There's uncertainties all around. Any of you guys have an email from God that says you're going to make it home today? No, there's no certainties. There's absolutely no certainties of what's going to happen next. Are we going to have another breath? We did, but there's no guarantee that we're going to have another one or another one. So how do we then live in the face of uncertainties? And here's what he writes. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Ecclesiastes 11, uh, verses 1. And we're just going to read all of chapter 11 together. It's only 10 verses. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones of the womb, in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet and is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away from your body for you, excuse me, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Lord, we ask now that you would give us a heavenly wisdom to understand this heavenly wisdom and not only to understand it, but to embrace it to the very core of our hearts as we approach this life. That we might not live it as merely under the sun, but under the gaze of a watchful, caring, merciful, and almighty provident God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are. We've come now to this part of chapter 11. And the Kohelet is starting to give advice. He's starting to wrap things up. This is his conclusion. And he's bringing things together and he's speaking to younger people. And I don't know if it's just to the youth or just people younger than him. But he's speaking and he's saying, guys, I hope that you get this when you're younger. Because if you can get this when you're younger, it's going to save you a lot of of heartache. It's going to help you navigate through life as you get older. But it's also something to those of us who are older. He says it's basically it's not too late. You can change the manner in which you approach life. If you believe these truths, it will have an absolute transforming effect on your life now. So don't say, I'm just too old. Old dogs learn new tricks. They do. And let me challenge some of you older folks. You can change your ways. 
The God of this universe is greater than your traditions and your stoicism and the way you've just always done it. And he wants some of you guys to quit falling into that category and say, listen to the advice that I'm giving to young people and change now. Because so often what we hear from the men and women who've gone before us is don't be like me. And they just sit and they regret their life. I don't want you to live the last years of your life with regret. My dad's doctoral thesis was on the spiritual renewing, renewal in the life of the elderly. And his thesis was this. There's no retiring, but there's a refiring within the scriptures. That God wants to take the hearts of the old and the young and turn them upside down and fill them with his power and to see incredibly great things happen. So we're sitting with this incredibly wise man. And the first thing he says to us is this. He's giving us a call to be bold and confident in our lives in light of the uncertainties of life. He's saying life is going to be uncertain. Look at the first couple of verses there that he gives. Cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Give a portion of seven or even or eight for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. He's basically saying this. There's uncertainties out there. You don't know what's going to happen. If you go out uh, to the ocean and you throw some bread on it, you're not going to see it again. You're not going to know what happens to it. He says there's uncertainties of life. But you need to believe that God is certain even in the midst of your uncertainties. He's saying you need to approach it. And there's three approaches that happen too often in the Christian church. And one of the approaches is this. And it's a wrong approach. And the wrong approach to the uncertainties of life and how it affects our choices goes something to this degree. That I'm going to make my choices in life. And God knows the end result, so therefore I'm okay. I'm going to make my choices in life, and at the end it's going to be fine because God knows the end. But my choices don't really have a major effect. Put it this way, well, my choices will determine my future. I'll make my future by my choices, but here's how I'm comforted. God knows how it's going to turn out. My future is still, dedic- is still predicated on my choices. But it's going to be okay, God's going to make it all work out. That's one approach, and it's a wrong approach. Uh, Another approach falls into something like this. God doesn't know the future, and my choices determine the future, and God has to become very reactionary to get on board with the choices that I make. He's got to flip it around. Now, that's called open theism, and there's a movement about today that that's how God works, and it's a dangerous movement. It, It puts God in a sense of saying, well, your choices, oh, goodness gracious, whoa, I didn't expect you to be at church today. Got to come up with a different plan. I did not expect you to be doing that. Your choices. You know what it does in both of those first scenarios? It gives way too much uh, importance to your choices. It it gives you way too much power. And so what's happened, especially in Presbyterian and Reformed churches, those that are called Calvinistic because of John Calvin, and they wrongly uh, say that John Calvin said this, was it doesn't matter what you choose, God's in control called hyper-Calvinism, and what my systematic professor called it sub-Calvinism, because it's not what John Calvin said. It's fatalism. It doesn't matter what you choose. Your future is already dedicated. It's already set for you, so it doesn't matter what you choose. That's not it either. What the Koheleth is trying to teach us is this. The proper response is, life is uncertain, but God is certain. And my work, my actions, my responses are the instruments of the almighty God in bringing about the fulfillment of his purposes. Let me say that again to you. Life is uncertain, 
But God is certain. And my work, my actions, my responses are the instruments of the almighty God in bringing about the fulfillment of his purposes. What he's saying is this, is your choices matter. Your decisions matter. But they matter because God is using them to bring about his ultimate purposes in your life. And so you know what that does for you? It frees you to go out and live boldly. Quit being so afraid of making the wrong decision. Some of you are absolutely paralyzed because you're afraid of making the wrong decision. I don't want to be out of the perfect will of God. And so we've created a category that's a non-biblical category. You know what that category is? It's the permissive will of God. There's the perfect will of God, there's the permissive will of God, then there's not the will of God. And some of you live your life in those three categories. But what the Koheleth is saying is this, there is the will of God. And he uses somehow in a mystery your choices to accomplish his will. Go read the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. When Joseph got thrown into slavery by his brothers and he was in Egypt, he came and he confronted his brothers. And then when he came to his brothers, he went like this, something to this effect. God sent me here before you to preserve life. Who threw him into slavery? His brothers did. It was their choice. It was their decision that they did it. And it was all part God using their choices all the way along to accomplish his grand scheme and plan for it. And you know what that brought to Joseph? An incredible amount of comfort. To live boldly, to say, I didn't get to Egypt by mistake. God, did you forget about me in Egypt? I know you thought I should be over in Hilton Head, but somehow I ended up in Egypt. Can you come up with a contingency plan for me? God, I know your plan for my life was for me to be married, but now I find myself divorced, and I'm not sure you have a contingency plan for me, so God, can you come up with another plan? Instead, going, God, you have used all of my choices, both the good ones and the bad ones, and the place where I am today is the place where you've decided and you want me to be because I can learn something incredible about you right here in this place, so I wouldn't wish for one moment that my circumstances be changed until you teach me why I'm here. That's a little different, isn't it? Most of us are going, God, change our circumstances. Or, oh, no. And by the way, I'm not doing a really good job on believing this this week. (laughs) My family knows that I'm not doing a really good job of trusting in God's hand right now for my family. I'm wrestling with him. Lisa and I were joking. I'm just on, I'm doing and I'm wrestling and I'm doing and thinking, God, if I do this or maybe if I made a mistake over there. And you know what you find? You're paralyzed. In the middle of those things. Do we buy this house? Do we not buy this house? Is Will going to get into the Naval Academy or not get into the Naval Academy? If he doesn't get into the Naval Academy, then what does that mean? Can we get, can we, because that affects this and then that affects that. And, and then, oh my goodness, it just, and, oh gosh. And you guys come around and you go, Bill, you seem a little bit stressed. Oh no, I'm fine. <laughs> just believe God and live by faith. Trust your theology. Will's not here and it's dangerous because if you're not here, I'm going to use you as an example. And, um, but he and I were having a conversation recently. And he said something in it that was so profound. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, isn't that what you taught me? He said, didn't you say that it doesn't matter if I'm on the front lines fighting for my country, if I'm in bed, God's numbered the, the days of my life. And so I'm just supposed to live boldly for him wherever I go. Dang it, yes. (laughs) Yes, I told you that. And yes, I believe that most of the time. (laughs) But the Kohelth is saying that. 
Life is filled with uncertainties, and where you're going to find your comfort isn't in the uncertainties of life. Where you're going to find your comfort is in the certainty of God, that he has you. He has written the beginning from the end. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going. He knows what's going to happen to you. He knows it all, and not one bit of it catches him by surprise. Do you believe that? That your God is not shocked by you. He doesn't have to come up with a plan B, C, or D for your life. He comes and he says, just trust me, and then go out and live boldly in your trust for me. Risk. That's what he's saying here. Oh, throw out seven. Oh, not seven. Throw out eight in verse two. Go for it. Live boldly. So that's what we're going to look at just real quickly is the implications of that. The the proper response to life's uncertainty is to live boldly with certainty about a God who's in control of all things. He is. You think it catches him by surprise that my house hadn't sold? Not at all. You think it catches him by surprise that I'm the pastor now here and not back in Westminster? No. Think he knows what he has planned for my sons and for my marriage down the road? Yeah. I don't. So what I have to do is resign myself to go, but you do. And we're just going to live with this incredible, bold faith that says we're just going to keep walking and believing and trusting in you. We had some people in seminary who decided they didn't want children. And the reason they didn't want children was because they couldn't with certainty know that that child would be saved. And so they weren't about to bring a child in the world who may not be saved. Oh, the uncertainties paralyzes and so we live and we say okay well we should be living boldly in the midst of that and here's what he says coming up real quickly he says these things he says look verses one through six really say you're not in control you're not in control so now what just get used to it you're not in control and the language and the pictures that he gives there uh, are awesome he looks and he says this If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, it's the place where the tree falls is where it's going to lie. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? If a cloud is full of rain, guess what's going to happen? It's going to rain. If a tree falls, guess what's going to happen? It's going to lie where it falls. And there's nothing you can do about it. But he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And you do not know the way the Spirit comes into the bones of the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both will grow alike. And what he's basically saying is this. You're looking around and you're trying to figure it all out. And you're standing there staring at the clouds. And if you're a farmer, and I know this isn't a big agrarian culture here that we're in, uh, but think about it for a minute. If you're a farmer, and you look up and all you're doing is staring at the clouds, what's not happening? Planting isn't happening. Because you're contemplating whether those clouds are going to rain. And so you find yourself looking up at the clouds all the time. And you're just wondering. And you know what else you don't know? You don't know whether or how a spirit comes into the life of a child. We know how children are formed. We know how those things happen, but we don't know that. A good friend of mine's a farmer, and he says, Bill, you want to know the most amazing thing about farming? I said, what's that? He goes, I plant two identical seeds in two identical holes in the exact same soil, and one comes up and one doesn't. 
He said, what makes one come up and one doesn't? I gave him the same fertilizer. I gave him the same amount of water. I gave him all the same things. What is it? I said, I don't know. He goes, neither do I. He says, but you know what I keep doing? I keep planting seeds in the ground. Because I trust that in the midst of uncertainty, I'm not just going to navel gaze all the time. I'm not going to get caught in paralysis. I'm not just going to sit and try to figure out all the answers, the end before the beginning, before I do anything. There's a freedom that comes in that, folks. There's a great freedom that he's trying to say to us. It's important to know that God's in control. And with that, there's a freedom that lets you live your life boldly. Martin Luther said it this way, if you believe these things, go out and sin boldly. What he meant by that was just live and don't be so afraid of the consequences and the mistakes that you're going to make. Anybody going to make a mistake this week? Any of you? Okay, then you need to shut it down. Don't go anywhere. Just sit and try to isolate yourself from making mistakes. Or you just basically say, I'm going to do everything in my power to honor the Lord in my life and do these things. And I'm going to try not to make mistakes, but the reality is I'm going to make mistakes. So therefore, I'm just going to live boldly and I'm going to make bold mistakes. And trust in an incredibly bold God who's going to take care of me and knew that I was going to make those mistakes. And he's going to take care of me beyond that. And at the end of the day, and we don't have time to get there this morning, he says this at the end. He says, young people live with joy. Make sure in the middle of this, all this navel-gazing and all this staring at clouds and all this trying to figure everything out, it's going to steal your joy. And so what I would rather have is if you believe in the certainty of God and that he is over all things and that in the midst of all the uncertainties of life, you can trust that. You can then live your life with a joy and a happiness. Don't pursue joy and happiness. Pursue God. And in the midst of that, find joy and happiness is what he's saying. Too many of you walk around, the head's down trying to figure it out, Instead of saying, I'm just going to rejoice in my God today. That's what he's saying there at the end. Rejoice. Be happy. Enjoy God. who's in control of all things. I'll end with this. Are any of you facing uncertainties in your life today? Honestly. So am I. You know what I need from you? And you know what you need from me? is for us to quit denying the reality of the uncertainties in our lives and the fact that they affect us. I need to be able to admit to you that I struggle at times. You need to be around other people and be able to admit to them, I'm struggling with the uncertainty. I'm struggling with the uncertainty of the health of somebody I love or where are my kids going to go to college or how I'm going to pay for this or what I'm going to do. We haven't been able to make payments in our home for this long. We don't know when this is going to happen. We don't know when that's going to happen in my business. If we would just be honest with one another and the watching world, there's an incredible amount of power that comes from, guess what you can do? When I start fretting over these things, you know what I need you to do? Bill, stop fretting. Isn't that right? That's what I need you to tell me, right? Or do I need you to say this? Bill, I'm with you. I know that it's hard. But let me remind you of something. There's a God above the sun. And your God is bigger than anything you're facing. And he's got you. Let me pray with you. And you know what you need from people around you? That same thing. And you know what your pagan and non-believing neighbors need to see in your life? Is you struggling with these things in a real and a non-Sunday school way. The platitudes of, oh well, God's got it. 
don't go very far when you're facing cancer and bankruptcy and loss and divorce and suicide and, and miscarriage. Those platitudes don't go very far. But what goes far is saying, I'm with you. But what we're going to do together is we're going to look above the sun. We're going to see that our God, he's got it. And he's got you. And we can rejoice in that. Can we do that together? Do you think that the people that you're in relationship with in the world, in this island and in Bluffton, need to be in relationship with people who have that perspective on life? Do you think it would affect everything that happens in your life? Absolutely. So let's be a church that believes these things and lives it out in this way. Let's pray. God, there's some folks here who what I'm saying really resonates deeply with them. They want to believe it. Everything in them wants to believe what I'm saying is true. And Father, I pray that you would press it down into them, that they would stare at it and contemplate it enough to where it would be true. The beauty and the truth of your word. There are uncertainties in this life. But Father, we we can take great comfort in knowing that you hold our lives. And that ultimately at the end of the day, there is one certainty that will never be taken from this. And that is the certainty that when our eyes do close in death, we will be with you forever. And that you will never lose one of your children, not one of them. And though we may wander off the path, we may wander into the valley of the shadow of death. We may go stray. We may lay down like Elijah and say, Lord, just take my life that we would become despondent. You come to us and you nourish us and you lift us up and you point us back to that holy mountain. You point us back to that place that says, but I have life for you. And I've got a life for you to live. So come live the adventure of this bold life with me. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we sing glory to your name today. Amen. Let's stand and sing.